Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice. And we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Mm, that last episode. Guys, this is part two. Mm. Well, go ahead, Chris. Were you going to talk about food? It was delicious. I want a second serving. So yes, that's right. <laughs> this is part two. Uh, for those of you who uh, just want a quick overview of it, last week we talked about the life cycle of a business um, and how that affects the life cycle of a ministry or how that can be mirrored in the life cycle of ministry. How we can see that in a life cycle of a ministry. Yep. Courtship, infancy, go-go, adolescence, prime, and stability. That's kind of the way up. And then the way down, it just leads to death, which Matt and I were talking about it. Like we have not seen ministries that have gone down the death cycle towards death in an effective way because they all die prematurely, right? Whether it's premature. Honestly. Yeah. Ooh. Did you find one? Wow. I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but this is like the whole purpose of this podcast is to talk about things people aren't talking about. And you know what? Like people are talking about this now. I honestly think if we look at the mission of the church, we look at different dioceses, this is where we've seen this happen. This is where we've seen the death of ministry or the dying of ministry. That's where we are. And then that's why we are in such a, like this new evangelization is such a big deal because we are trying to right the ship as it's dying, <laughs> you know? And, I know, and I know it can't die. The Holy Spirit, Jesus will not allow it to happen, but there is no doubt that we have rounded that curve and started coming down because of the, the different aging stages. Does that make sense, Chris? Do you, like, are you following me? Are you tracking me? Do you believe what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, and my question is, as we're talking about the death, so we're going to talk about the death for a few minutes, and then we're going to actually talk about the challenges on the growth side, because that's where most of us are at. But I would say on the death side, it's interesting because do we need rebirth or do we need to kill it faster? Because that cycle on the, on the right-hand side where it's going down, that can take months or even years. And if it's going to end at death, why don't we just hit the reset button as quick as possible? So fail faster. Yeah. That, that'd be my thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Because if you're looking at a company, you're thinking about an organization as big as the Catholic Church. I don't know what that means for it to fail faster. Anyway, so let's just, let's dive through this. So aging stage one. So this is after prime, after stability. In this blog, it basically says that once you hit stability, that is the beginning of the end. Now that seems a little ominous and I don't necessarily believe that for all ministries. And I think that's why it's important for us to like pay attention to this so that we can arrest that negative turn as fast as we can. We can stop that as fast as we can. Now, we, we need to assess, in a way, where we are on that negative downturn to see how much work it's going to take to change. Because, Chris, like, when I think about, like, make it fail sooner, it's like, that means we have to start a new church. And, like, that's not a thing. Like, we're not doing that. I'm talking about <laughs> ministries, right? You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. here's an example. Let's say that you have an amazing parish, an absolutely amazing parish, and it goes through and it is focused on outreach evangelization. And then everyone in your parish boundary is baptized Catholic and is like growing into a disciple. Guess what? That program that does outreach evangelization is going to need to die quick because all the energy is going to need to shift since there's no more people that need to know Jesus in the area. This is a dream scenario, right? Sure. And we're going to have to kill that program because now we want to focus on building discipleships in deeper depth, right? As opposed to that initial on-ramp to the church because everyone has joined the church, 
right? So, yeah. so that would be an example to where it's like, let's kill it faster so that we can make space for a new ministry. Uh, but there's other ministries that are no longer serving needs that are present in your community. And yet everyone's attached to that. And we've done a podcast episode on how to kill a ministry and things like that, or to let a ministry go or when it's time to shift. But I think that there needs to be new horizons that we seek all along the way so that we don't find ourselves in a stage where we have to kill something that's irrelevant, but rather that we shifted something yeah. that we saw that we can anticipate those needs and see the spirit working in that way. Okay. So let's, let's dive into this. So aging stage one is called aristocracy. This is when the company refuses to change how things are done. They rely on how things were done in the past to move us forward. And as we have seen with regards to the church and different things like that, that is not how this works. They die if they don't grow and change. We've always done it that way. Yeah. Is a big telltale sign of aristocracy. And unfortunately, like now that we're going downhill, oh, this is going to get maybe more familiar than the uphill conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh my gosh. Because like making ways and in, in innovating are discouraged in aristocratic companies. So doing something differently than you've done it before, you get in trouble for that. Like you, you're told to stop. That's not the way we do things. So the company starts to degenerate at this point. This is what happens um, in yeah. this phase. Let me, because some of you are going to be like, that's my parish team. <laughs> yeah. People in the company place greater importance on dress code, decor, and titles than the actual work. Working in these companies begins to feel like belonging to an exclusive country club. Poor performance is tolerated while new ideas are discarded because they threaten the establishment. Yep. So then we get into uh, aging stage two, recrimination. When management can no longer hide that everything is falling apart, they start to witch hunt. They start to look for where the problems are. Scapegoating. Scapegoating. And I say everybody in the church is doing this right now. Like whether you're liberal, conservative, whatever, everybody's blaming each other. Oh, it's because of this. Oh, it's because of Vatican II. Oh, it's because we don't have a real Pope. Oh, it's because of whatever. It's because people aren't going to mass in Latin. It's because there's drums in the church. It's because they're not changing the position on human sexuality for LGBTQ or whatever. You know, like there's all these different things that, that, that it's mudslinging. Yeah, absolutely. And so like we're like talking about the church specifically now <laughs> instead of ministries in general. But And the reason is, is because we haven't seen many ministries around long enough for this to happen. And if you've heard other podcasts from us, other episodes from Chris and I, we've talked about from apostolic to mission. Christendom to the apostolic age. Thank you. From Christendom to at the apostolic age. That's where I see this wave going is like stable or whatever stability is Christendom, you know, in a way. And then when it starts to go down, we feel like we're still in Christendom and we're acting like we're still in Christendom, but we're not. I see there's correlations here and I just think it's interesting. The boat is taking on water and we're just saying that the boat has a swimming pool and pretending like it's fine. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So. Well, and we're, we're blaming other people on the boat as to why it's sinking. Now, here's the piece. Once the, the scapegoat is found and removed, the problem still remains because the problem is in the system, not in the individuals, yeah. right? And the system could have worked well 10 years ago or 25 years ago or back in Christendom, but the world around it, now the customers, the client, or the culture that it exists in no longer is having its needs met by what that product or ministry offers or provides. Yep. So let's keep blaming people instead of actually trying to meet emerging needs, which requires innovation. Yep. And so that whole witch hunt drives out the best people, all of the good people that have been like trying and fighting or even like help build it up to the point where it was. They're the ones who are blamed right. for why it is where it is. So what if we just micromanaged everything? It, could we do that to, to make it fixed? <laughs> nope. Because that's what uh, age 
stage three is bureaucracy. Stage three is that, putting all these processes and stuff like this and being stuck to those same old processes and adding new ones. That's going to be what fixes it. Now, here's the crazy part. If we just had a new pastor, this would get fixed. If we just had a new ministry leader in this role, that, that's what get it fixed. And so we reach out to try and hire the best of the best of the best, and we put them in a system where no one could be successful because the system is broken. Yeah. And we've been there before, and we've seen ministry leaders that we love and that are amazing in their career because they couldn't cut it at a parish that wouldn't support them, right? Yeah. The challenge behind it, though, is sometimes there's bad leaders, right, that, that, that need to be removed. So Yeah. It says, like on this post, the creative people start to leave and yes, men take over senior roles and company culture changes completely. A lot of times what we've done with clericalism, you know, and this is the laity, you know, like are a part of this as well. We defer everything to the pastor. And I think back to when my grandma, you know, was being raised Catholic. Do whatever father says. Yes. Yes, father. Yes, father. Yes, father. And I think in very many like cases, I would argue the same thing probably happens at the diocesan level with the bishop you know, yes, Bishop, yes, Bishop, from the pastors to the Bishop. And when that kind of stuff happens, the creativity that is needed to continue to grow is stifled. Well, because it's placed on one single individual who's already overworked and overwhelmed with everything else because people are expecting perfection instead of leadership. Yeah. And there's a difference between the two. And so if we flip back real quick to the other side of the cycle, at some point you have to be able to get your team building something with you instead of you being the source that they come to. Yeah. And I think the laity have done a disservice to priests because they have looked to the priests to do every single work of ministry and evangelization, and they just came on Sundays to experience the fruits of his holy hands. And that is not okay. Yeah. Like, it's okay for the priest to remain at the parish, but if the parish boundaries aren't being reached, the people in the community, that's on the laity more than on the priest. Yeah. So then all that remains are procedures, policies, and paperwork that choke out innovation. The organization, the ministry, or whatever, relies on minute work specifications because it's trying to escape this chaos. And just the thought of that, like, it just sounds so freaking familiar um, that it's like, it terrifies me. And the only escape from that is sweet, sweet death. And so death <laughs> is the next stage in that cycle. The aging stage is company death is a slow and drawn out process, which can take several years. Yep. Before we get there, it says at this point, the company is on life support and it can no longer generate what it's called to generate because almost all of the people have left due to neglect. And just looking at where we where we are, I think this is why everybody is in, at this four alarm fire stage now. And I say everybody, I don't even know if the average person has that same thought, like something has to change. Change. Yeah. Or something has to be reborn. And that that may be the, the point of this is the way the church operates that has to be reborn, right? I mean, yes, but boy, did we go from doing a ministry, like what is your ministry, ministry leaders, now to <laughs> yeah. the, the flipping sky is falling <laughs> yeah. and oh my. So but like, I, I would love for a ministry to go through this phase, like through all of these phases, but we haven't seen individual ministries have the time to do that. I have seen the Penn State football program go through this. Sure. Yeah. There was a scandal that rocked them. In fact, the NCAA allowed those players to be released from the one-year hiatus when you transfer one school to another. So they lost all their star players, and everyone that was stuck around was a part of a losing team Yep. for four years. Yep. Just for four years. And then they were back in the top 25, back in the top 10. Like, it was amazing the way that they turned things around. And I think that that would be an example. And the reason why I say this 
is because if a Penn State football program can do it on their own with just money benefactors and a bu- bunch of hurt and healing that was needed, the Catholic Church can do this. Amen. Like if there's ministries that are dying or needs that are going unmet, a football program can figure it out. We can too, because we have the Holy Spirit on our side. And so I don't want us to get too doom and gloom in regards to it, because there are certain ministries in the church, certain mentalities and practices, outdated practices, this is not rites, rituals, or liturgies, yep. but certain outdated practices that have become commonplace in me parishes, communities, and even in the laity that need to die out. Yep. The lady seeing evangelization as being the pastor's job, that needs to die. That mentality yep. needs to hit that death stage quick, yep. not long and drawn out, but quick. And we need to have a renaissance or an awakening in so many different areas. And death oftentimes provides that opportunity, but vision prevents death. And I would rather have us keep growing yep. on the green side instead of dying on the way down on the red side of this chart. And so, um, yeah. If I were to be creative or whatever, I would see this cycle, this bell curve, and I would see a whole bunch of ministries starting off in the green on the right-hand side within the church. Well, except it's the left-hand side, but yes. As one like goes down the right-hand side, there are a lot of other things starting on the left-hand side. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so then yeah. they, they are, they're spurring off, they're starting this way. And so all of these other kind of rebirths of what ministry is supposed to look like, which is one of the things a blaze is, a blaze is a, like in that growth state, but it's coming from the, <laughs> the dying carcass. Right. <laughs> like no, and, and I, I mean, Literally, I just put new dirt in my yard and there was manure. I had to explain to my kids what manure is that would help the, the earth and things like that. When I left the parish that I just left after 10 years of working there, we had this big banquet or this big kind of going away luncheon. And I thanked the pastor, not for the opportunity to work there, but for the opportunity to fail when I worked there. Yeah, I said, you gave me permission to fail. And when we did reach that elements where we experienced some failure, you didn't say shame on you. You said, what can we learn from it? Mm-hmm. And that's where the green sprouts are coming out of that downward spiral. Like, yep. then let, what did we learn from it? And now let's go ahead and meet those needs using those lessons that we learned. So I don't want us to fear failure. I want us to fear lack of innovation because that's what ultimately leads to death. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the church as a whole, the church as an organization needs to see those sprouts not as adversaries but as what's going to help the church make that turn and that new life does not have to come from an outside organization or someone else that's doing it yeah you can birth that into your own organization like we look at all these things the amazing parish conference divine renovation rebuilt all these areas where it's going really really well they've had some success god desires that same success in your community i promise you yep amen amen okay so (laughs) Sorry for that. Doom like, and gloom. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. How is this connected to ministry? Let's jump back on the left-hand side because I think there is something that we, that we need to talk about, especially in the infancy phase all the way up to uh, prime, and that is buy-in. As we're growing as a ministry, as we're growing as an organization or business in this case, we have to be able to um, cascade the vision. We can't be the sole keepers of the vision. The other piece is we have to get people on board that they are a part of the solution, not that they're walking into a a systematized type of program, which a lot of people are looking for turnkey solutions when we're talking to volunteers and things like that. But what doesn't happen in that is, oh yeah, I serve there in that ministry. What's different is I helped build my ministry. When their language starts having a language of ownership to where it's my parish, it's my mission. It's not just the mission of the youth ministry, of RCIA, of wherever you're serving or whatever. Like it's my mission and it's executed through this ministry that I help build and create. That ownership element 
is so vital and it's something that really has to be carefully curated in the way that we lead as ministry leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Did did you want to dive through some of the like dangers along these as well? Yeah, I think I touched on it. If you're the only keeper of the vision, then that that that's a dangerous reality. So yeah, why don't we start when when you have a ministry idea and it's a really good idea if we want to start in courtship. Do you want to go through that? Sure. So like when things don't move past that phase, the danger from courtship is that it dies even before you start anything. Like you give up on the idea. The thing is, is I think about even like when I founded Ablaze, there was this really intense fear to actually take a step forward and start putting it together. And Ablaze absolutely could have died then, like before even doing anything, just abandoning the idea. If the Holy Spirit has put a burning in your soul, it is worth risking losing your job to be able to execute on that. Yeah. Because living a life where you're depending on the Holy Spirit is way better than living your life that is depending on bureaucracy. I guarantee it. Yep. Right. The other piece in regards to that, that fear and that, that sharing is I have seen people, and maybe this moves us into infancy, who have a ton of amazing ideas but very little follow through as leaders. Once they get started, they go to bear another idea into the world, you know, and and that I think is just as dangerous. I would rather it die as an idea than have all these people get excited about it and put some work into it and then to see it die a year later because then it's like, oh, I guess we as a parish just can't try new cool things. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to the old ways, you know. Yeah. And so like in the infancy stage, uh, the danger here is that it, well, I mean, it says infant mortality, which sounds like so Dark. sad. Like, yeah. well, why are we even talking? Like, let's do something else. But the, it says there's a great possibility that the business will die due to lack of sales or commitment from the founder, negative cash flow, or the company stays in infancy too long. And so what does that mean in ministry? The sales part of it doesn't really make sense. Conversions, actually seeing fruit from the ministry. If you're not seeing fruit from the ministry, then it's it's a lot harder to keep moving forward, which that may be, and who knows, that may be a sign that it's not the right ministry to do, or it may be that there's still more work to be done before that fruit starts to be seen. So how does this ministry ultimately uh, bear fruit in the parish? Yeah. And when, right? And so honestly, teaching stewardship in uh, like financial stewardship in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, high school, early adolescence, that does not bear fruit in the parish, probably for a good two decades. Yep. But it does bear fruit, like teaching them that everything we have comes from God and that we need to give back. Like that mentality can change family trees. That mentality can change giving in parishes down the road, like in an amazing way. And so as long as we know, like this is going to be a challenge right now, this is an infant phase, which requires a little bit more work and things like that, but ultimately it's going to bear this fruit. If we can't name the fruit that we hope to see, and maybe that fruit is like a Bible study and we want these people to be better disciples in their community, in their neighborhoods. Great. So we've named the fruit, but I think naming the fruit or, or whatever, because that's the sale piece of it. Like, what is it? What's the benefit exchange, right? Yeah. How do the people that are a part of your ministry know that they're like succeeding, you know? And it, and it may be that we aren't going to see the fruit. And I, I can tell you in youth ministry, like very often you don't, you don't see the fruit for years, you know, or even decades. Yeah. Sometimes you'll see little things here and there 
that may or may not be long lasting, but the long lasting real fruit comes, you know, years down the road and making sure that people know that because it's, it's hard, you know, to keep doing that. And that's what this talks about. This is where, when things die to keep doing what you've been doing with no real say compensation, you know, is not the right word without seeing fruit. Yeah. Cause ultimately you want not just a couple of fruits, but you want the harvest, right? Yeah. And that's where go, go really starts to get, get going this stage three, but the, the stage three, the, the, the danger is that the, the vision relies just with the founder. And so they're coming back to you, the ministry leader, instead of being able to cascade or share or own the ministry on that level. Right. Yep. And so how, how does someone talk about the ministry that they're a part of? Well, I volunteer with Chris and he's got a really good vision instead of I serve in this aspect and we've got an amazing vision. There's a difference in language and how do we communicate that to where they can be owners, keepers and sharers of that vision because then they can execute and even make decisions absent the founder being present to be able to continue to grow the ministry. Yeah. And that's typically where most of the ministries stop. Like most of our ministries and parishes don't go on to the next phase. The next phase you know, is adolescence. The danger here is divorce. Um, it's when management, like, so the different people that are um, leading the organization. So let's, you've gotten out of go-go. It's not just one person's visions. You have multiple people who are sharing the vision, working together, and you have conflict between the, the people at the leadership level of that ministry. It could be that the person who founded it doesn't actually feel fulfilled in what they're doing. And so they end up leaving um, and the company stops growing. So yeah, a couple of things here. This is where perfection can be the enemy of the good. Um, instead of things being on target, they have to be in the center of the bullseye. And we start bringing in elements of bureaucracy instead of structures of support. And there's a difference in those two, and they can look very similar, but it's in the way that they're communicated, in the way they're implemented, in the way they're executed. They can definitely turn it into bureaucracy instead of uh, instead of a support structure. And so just to, just to clarify, most of our ministries are somewhere between the go-go stage and this adolescent stage. In fact, I would say 80% of our listeners in the last two minutes of our episode were like, I identify with that area. Uh -huh. And so just, just be aware of those pitfalls that it's okay if a ministry or a youth night or a session or a program doesn't run perfectly, but it runs pretty good because that gives people permission to be like, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be authentic and journey with people with where they're at. And that gives them the, the, the ability to try again is so important at this stage in ministry and to welcome people back and to say, you can do it and to acknowledge, no, we're not prepared. This is sharing the gospel. God himself is prepared for this, but, but God prepares us because of our yes. And he journeys with us. And when we are inadequate, the spirit comes in his strength when we are weak, like St. Paul tells us. All right, guys, we've enjoyed this. I didn't expect this to turn into two episodes from one little you know, blog post, but um, it seemed to have a whole bunch of legs behind it. The Holy Spirit wanted to bring out some things that really connected with ministry. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation online and send any feedback you have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. Whew, and here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, we go together. So take some time this week to pray for the church, to pray for your programs, and to pray how we can better go together with those who serve with us. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. We love the Catholic Church. God bless you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>